It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition. Justin Ferguson and Painter Sharpless right here. Hello, Painter. Hello. All right, so um, the thing about news is that it's constantly happening all the time. Um, And we have got, oh boy, we've got a lot of it to talk about today. Um, Some good, some not so good, uh, and some complicated to talk about with, uh, with Auburn football and a little basketball as well. Uh, so we'll kind of be bouncing around all over the place, but uh, appreciate everybody listening and tuning in. Painter, just it's been a busy weekend. How, how how's your weekend gone? At least been good, been good. I'm gonna leave it there. Let's get on into the news, baby. Because like you've said, I think there are some positives for this program, and then there's been the discourse, if yes. you will. And I think the big thing up front is that the discourse is going on and we're not really interested in the discourse on here. You know, we're just two guys um, talking and, you know, talk, talking about Auburn football and Auburn basketball. And we, you know, we write about it and edit and podcast and all that stuff about it. And I think the big thing is, is that my opinion and your opinion on certain issues, especially issues that are potentially divisive, hot button so to speak um those don't really matter as much as like the tangible okay this is what this means about the situation right so we're not here to preach to you we're not here to give our viewpoint one way or another on stuff like vaccinations what's going on with covid stuff like that uh but we will and throughout this just kind of play it play it straight Play it down the middle in terms of the facts and what's going on right now and what that means moving forward. So, say all that to say this. Uh, Auburn head football coach Brian Harson tested positive for COVID-19. Uh, this was announced on Friday. He, uh, he uh, apparently tested positive for it on Thursday. All right, so here's the statement that he made you know, through Auburn Athletics that was released on Friday saying this. Quote, yesterday I tested positive for the COVID-19 virus. I am isolating at home while experiencing no symptoms. As we have navigated through the pandemic, contingency plans have been in place should a situation like this arise. We prepared for this. Coach Jeff Schmetting will assume in-person head coaching duties, and I will continue to participate remotely in meetings and practice. Just like in a game, teams that handle adversity and make necessary adjustments are those that are the most successful. I have full confidence in our coaching staff and team. I know they will continue to prepare with the same intensity and focus that they have since camp started. All right, so a little bit of a timeline here. Brian Harson, as he is saying in, in his quote, if he is asymptomatic, he would only have to be gone for 10 days according to Auburn's protocols. That would put him back the beginning of game week next week for Akron. All right, a few things here. Number one, we'll continue to uh, rem- participate remotely in meetings and practice. I think the thing with technology, and we've definitely seen this with Zoom, is that a lot of these team meetings and stuff like that, you can get work done and you can talk to people and do all the other things. Now, we're talking about whether it's as quite as effective or it's definitely not what you want to do, um, but he will be able to be in meetings. The remotely participating in practice is interesting. I wonder how that's going to be. Uh, Nathan King... I like to think of like Plankton's wife from SpongeBob, like one of those <laughs> monitors or whatever. Although she Karen. may just be a Karen, she may just be a computer screen. I don't even know if she's. She was mobile. like a robot on wheels, like okay, it was like a screen. I'm, that's yeah, what I'm thinking of like a monitor on wheels. Uh, I think she might have had. Did she have arms? 
I'm going to look that up now. Um, but I, I think the, uh, Nathan King of, of uh, Auburn Undercover, great friend of the – she didn't have arms. Um, uh, Does Plankton's wife have arms? I just – yeah. I did not <laughs> – I didn't type that in, but I, I should have. Um, he wrote in a story over the weekend. He was, he was like, um, yeah, this is going to be a pretty big test – for this team and how they get set up. He makes the really good point in there. Brian Harson is very hands-on in practices. We've talked about this throughout camp. He's a guy who's throwing footballs in practice. He's, uh, you know, going through drills with his guys. His assistant coaches do that as well. That is going to be an adjustment. It is not an ideal situation, but they have prepared for this. They have plans in place. I mean, the, the way that Harson has said these things and knowing him and kind of knowing his MO, they were prepared in case, okay, and I'm sure they did this at Boise last year. I mean, remember, Nick Saban didn't even coach in the Iron Bowl. That's how, you know, that's how that's how uh, uh, big this was just a few months ago with, uh, several months ago with, with, with certain coaches, that every team like this had a plan in place. They had a chain of command. That was something we talked about with Auburn last year under Malzahn, who would have been the next in line, right? Um, I forgot that that happened to Saban. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just totally. For a second, I was like, I don't think that the, happened, Justin. But yeah. then, no, you're right. It definitely did. It's like the time dilation from this past couple of years has been so crazy because sometimes it feels like everything's moving so quickly. Like, I thought I thought this past summer moved really, really quickly. And then there are other times where it feels like, Okay, I say something like, "Oh yeah, the Iron Bowl last year, Nick Saban wasn't coaching because he had COVID," and everybody kind of looks around and it's like, "Huh," you know. Also, a good reminder that the talent you accumulate matters because <laughs> yeah. it's like, I mean, hey, I know he's done a good job of hiring coaches, but at the end of the day, you're playing with house money when your team has all those players on it. Right. It, it, it's. I think it backs up my. Uh, my very sound and logical argument that I too could be the quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. We'll see. Well, we will. We will get that opportunity one day, I believe. Um, <laughs> uh, so that's an adjustment that needs to be made. We, we know the scrimmage on Friday night. We'll talk a little bit about that later. The scrimmage on Friday night was big because they have to set the depth chart now and move forward from there. And again, this is not an ideal situation. I think we'll all say that you know, it's not an ideal situation, but. I mean, the way they film practice, every minute, every second, every frame of practice. I like the idea of him zooming in on the Jumbotron. Just looking <laughs> just down. Like, face. Yeah, <laughs> just looking down. That would actually be pretty funny. I don't know how helpful that would be. Does that thing have uh, its own camera on it so he can watch out of it? Is that useful? I don't know. Um, yeah, they just have like a, they just have one on the top, like the little, the little round, like, <laughs> like the one you put on your laptop. Yep. Yep. Just <laughs> for clip on. It's a clip TV. on though. It's a clip on one. So it's like, it's, it's gigantic. Um, so they, there's a lot of this stuff that you can do remotely because you're going to be able to review film. Like you just won't actually be there. And then there are differences in that. So, um, the second thing that that stood out to me, Jeff Schmetting, in-person head coaching duties. Now, this is something that I know has created uh, quite a level of discussion. Uh, Schmetting was um, given, I believe, as assistant head coach. I, I can never figure out assistant or associate head coach, which one 
uh, it is and like which one is more important than the other one um but schmetting's taking over the inside linebackers coach who came from boise with brian harson and it's interesting because of course well let's get this one out of the way as well Derek mason is um is a guy who was a head coach in the sec last year mike bobo has been a head coach including his stint as an interim with as in the sec last year uh I believe it was late Friday night or early Saturday morning. Philip Marshall at Auburn Undercover reported that uh, Derek Mason has tested positive for for COVID nineteen, so that plays a part into the, to this as well. But I think the thing with Schmetting though is this: this is uncharted territory for Auburn. Even if Brian Harson was out there at practice, like this is the first time they've ever had to do, go through this and, and do this with him in charge. So if he's out and somebody has to step in his place to handle what's going on in person, why not somebody who has been one of his right-hand men at Boise State? Because what he wants to get done, what Harson wants to get done during this time, how he wants to prepare, how he wants to go into the season, Spedding's going to know that because he's been through that before with Harson. So I know there was a lot of like kind of eyebrow raising like, wait, you're not going to use one of the guys who's actually been a head coach in the SEC? Right. I understand that logic, but... But, remember this as well. If Harson is able to come back at the beginning of Akron week, like the timeline would say he can right now, this is just to get through these next, you know, this next week and, week a, half. and a half of practice, right? And so, I, I think that's why that this is in place, is that Jeff Schmetting knows what Harson's going to want to get done. He knows the way he's going to want to get it, get done. No disrespect to Mike Bobo or Derek Mason. Again, like we said, according to the reporting from Auburn Undercover. Mason's in the same boat. as Mason's in the same boat right now. Um, so, I, yeah, I think that's I think that's something to, 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 to keep in mind uh, there as well. It's going to be a test. It is a challenge. Um, as we've said, Brian Harson is one of those guys. He's very detail-oriented. He's meticulous. He plans, he plans, he plans. They had a plan for this. And it's put into practice right now. I think ultimately, Painter, the biggest thing for Auburn in this moment, and we'll talk about this as it relates to the scrimmage as well, the biggest thing for Auburn in this moment is, man, aren't they glad the schedule is the way it is. Instead of playing Washington or Oregon or Clemson in week one like Georgia is doing. Right. You've got the warm-up Georgia's games. playing all three at the same time in, in week one. It's going to be it's gonna Week be one actually has some good games on it, but that one by far uh, is, is the most appealing. And, yeah, like Auburn has the past few years really set itself up yep. with these difficult opponents. Uh, you've got two, two to sort of work on, you know, as we've highlighted all offseason. And that's going to be key. And I thought it was going to be key anyway with a brand-new head coach and, and a brand-new staff. But I think it's going to be even more key now when you know that the direct run-up to the start of the season – was, I don't know if it's necessarily fair to say interrupted, but adjusted, affected uh, by this. So I think they, I think they're going to... Um, Certainly they'd established a routine in fall camp, and that, at least for the time being, has been upended. So, you know, I don't think it's the end of the world, but like you keep saying, would Brian Harson like to be there? Would Derek Mason like to be there? Would they like to keep the routine they've had for, what, oh, for the last sure. two weeks? Of course. Right, right. Yeah, and again, again, this goes back. This is a thing that's been going on with Auburn, you know, all through camp. I mean, they've had absences. Again, we can't tell you who's been there and who's been out and why for why for. But I know there have been guys who have not been out there at practice 
on occasions where it's like, well, yeah, they were they were out because positive tests like this, contact tracing, all that, all that stuff. And it goes back to something that we said, shoot, on this podcast maybe a couple months ago. Um, even before we heard about the Delta variant, and even before we heard about the rise, you know, the rises in cases. Um, both nationwide and here in Alabama or in the Southeast, we said it on this show. I know that look, no matter how you feel about this whole situation, just know that this is going to affect, this isn't gone yet. Like this is going to affect football season one way or another. And I think this is part of it. Um, the other thing is that I know, and again, people are going to want to, latch on to certain things that they hear and depending on what side of what issue you're on. But I'll say this, there are people who have tested. I know there have been people who have tested positive in Auburn's program who are vaccinated, right? The vaccine is not a hundred percent guarantee that you'll never test positive. Okay. And that's where I'm going to leave it, leave it at that. Right. So even though vaccinations have been out and they've been out for, five you know four or five months nationwide this was something that that you're just going to keep having to deal with um and so timing wise it's good that it's happening now for auburn not during the season we will see how long that gets to hold up because that would be very very rough um because we're you know i don't think the sec has come out quite yet and said here's our protocols for you know what you have to do and if you're going to have to forfeit, like most conferences have said, if you if you can't play a game, you'll just lose it. Yeah, I think last year Auburn and th- that week in general, I think those games, like the Mississippi State game for Auburn getting pushed back after the Iron Bowl, I think it's pretty clear that both in the NFL and in college, most leagues, and I would assume the SEC will eventually say this, are not going to be flexible on those no. issues. No, It's like you, you lose. 100%. You, you forfeit. So, um, again, it's a reality that everybody's going to have to keep dealing with, and we will see how much um, it continues to affect Auburn moving forward. I, I will say this. The timing of this whole situation for Auburn, I think you never want anything like this to happen, obviously. It's not ideal. It's not It's not the, It's not not the. the best, clearly. That's like the dumbest thing I could have said right now, but I said it anyway. Um, but the timing of it being – Here's who Auburn plays the first two weeks of the season. Like it's Akron, right? Yes, you want your coach before his first game to be there all the way till the beginning. You want all your assistants, you want all of your players to be ready and, and raring to go. And we'll see who's available and who's not, and all that as we get closer to game week, right? Auburn's supposed to have an open practice on Saturday, this upcoming Saturday. Um, it will be interesting to see who's there and who's not there uh, because that one cannot be hidden. You know, it's like. Or if they still have it, I would imagine they still will. But we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, I just, yeah, I, I think that you're fortunate that you're playing Akron, and you're fortunate you're playing Alabama State at the beginning, right? Could have, you know, if you were in Georgia's shoes right now, and it would be a whole lot different story. And I think Georgia's biggest problem right now, I think, is they've got like bad injury problems right now heading and that's not where you want to be when you're about to play Clemson um so I guess uh, the only thing I'd add there like whatever is going on because this is an issue that people feel so strongly about mm-hmm. 
for the most part, most of you won't remember this in two weeks. Like, I, I don't... It doesn't mean it's not important. It doesn't mean your opinions aren't warranted or that you're not allowed to have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. But, like, if if you have gotten worked up one way or another, like, most of us, including myself, right or wrong, will have moved along with the news cycle as you opened up the podcast saying the news keeps happening. <laughs> right, because, like, even before, even before Harson tested positive and the announcement came out, like, we had plenty to talk about anyway, and we will continue to talk about that. Uh, but yeah, this is uh, it, it's it's a strange time. It's a strange time. But I think I think the one thing one thing remains: there were plans in place. They seem like they're going to be ready to move forward. The timing is very fortunate when it comes to being able to work out the bugs early on in the season, uh, especially in light of this and. Yeah, I think this is just just goes back to how I feel about. I mean, again, not gonna get into opinions and 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 you know platform. We can get on platforms here and and you know preach here, but I'll say this. You know, everybody, do what you can um, to stay safe, take care of each other, and uh, hopefully there'll be less. <laughs> big big news events like this moving forward um one of the reasons i think from an auburn football perspective well i'll say depending on whatever you feel about the vaccine if you're vaccinated if you're not vaccinated if you ever will be if you ever won't be whatever um one of the things that they're talking about is that yesterday saturday because you're recording this on sunday morning um they had the formal dedication of the football facility uh Sounds like the timeline for completion there has been pushed back a little bit. I think they're going to want to try to get it done by the start of next season, but they left some wiggle room that, that it might not be the case. The other thing is Brian Harson uh, or Alan Green talked about Brian Harson and, and you know saying, "Hey, he's he's you know at home, he's doing well. They have a plan in place, all that stuff." There's stuff that came out over the weekend or late last week from certain places. I think Oregon was one of them that was like, if you want to go to a game here, you have to be vaccinated or have proof of a negative test. I think it's very similar to like what a lot of uh, music venues are doing. A lot of concerts are are doing, um, here in the fall. Um, there have been places where they've said, even though we are outside, you will still be wearing masks at, at games. Um, asked Alan green about both of those yesterday. Uh, the, the reporters that were there, he said the plan right now is still to go full speed ahead, uh, full capacity, no mask, no vaccination requirements, nothing like that. Tailgating. I asked him about tailgating. That seems to still be moving full speed ahead. Um, so again, it's very important that everybody take care of each other and look out for one another moving forward. However, the best way you see fit to do that do it because, um, you know, the cases continue to go up around here. Um, and I think a lot of people are wanting to make sure as it relates to Auburn football, that these things continue to go on and have something close to a normal season. So that's our, that's my take. That's, that's the closest thing you're going to get to a take from me. Take from me. Look out for one another, take care, take care of each other the best way uh, that you can. And hopefully 
we'll get to the end of this upcoming football season and we'll be able to look back on it and say, you know what? It wasn't perfect. There were interruptions. There were pauses. But, you know, we feel, we feel good about how, how it came out on the other side. I think that's the ultimate goal for everybody involved. Yes. So, football facility, yeah, getting pushed back, or maybe potentially pushed back. Uh, Alan Green said it would be, I think the frame is 12 to 16 months from now, which would put it on the timeline of, like, at earliest, right in time for the season next year, if not maybe after that. Um, a lot of bells and whistles, a lot of, uh, a lot of big time. Um, it's still funny to me that Clemson put the slide in theirs. Yeah. I didn't see a slide. I didn't see a slide. They didn't talk about a slide, but there's some interesting stuff. Uh, some of the, some of the areas in there, they talked about, uh, Alan talked about a thing called the Falcon, <laughs> uh, which is this, and it was in relation to the great equipment manager, uh, and sports science uh, equipment god uh, Dana Marquez. It's this thing where like they can make like avatars of people, like scan them, and then be able to fit equipment. From what I've been able to gather, to fit equipment and like helmets and pads, stuff like that, you know, state of the art. Like do it custom and and make it make it uh, make it the best that they can be. So that's pretty cool. Um, there's like like a giant like plunge pool like for hydrotherapy like after you know recovery after after practices and games um there's a lot there's a lot of neat stuff like that in there they're calling the they're calling the the big like player lounge area the huddle which i thought that was kind of kind of cool um but i think one of the things that you know there was a there was talk there was talk yesterday and even from alan and, and from owen papo who was there representing the football team uh, talking about it there's a lot of talk yesterday about like okay well this is recruiting and the facilities bump and you know auburn's behind i think uh tim jackson uh was kind of like like introed the whole thing and he said you know in when they moved into the current athletics building uh, athletics complex it was like one of a kind state of the art at the time and it's like well now they're trying to build this, and like, there's a lot of schools around the country and the SEC that have facilities like this. So what Auburn's trying to do is try to make the best one and make it stick and make it count because it's probably another thirty to forty years before you do something like this again. They're behind the times. Um, so there was a lot of talk about like what that means for recruiting and the impact. And uh, Papo had this quote that was like, you know, being a five-star recruit, I went everywhere. I don't think I ever, you know, I, I didn't see anything quite like this, like the, the plans are for, which is exactly what you want to hear. But I think more importantly, like I wrote about it sometime last year, I think, or maybe the beginning of this year uh, for the Observer, where it was like, if you're expecting this to have like this tangible recruiting impact, like, oh, Auburn builds the building, they're definitely going to get better recruiting classes. Well, research suggests that that's not the case. There have been several studies that look at who builds facilities, what happens immediately after them, how that affects recruiting. And, and ultimately some schools had a little bump. Some schools actually went down. Most of them kind of stayed the same because your recruiting is mostly impacted on what? It's relationship building, like the Mm -hmm. majority of life. And, and if you want to talk about something that you can track, 
how, how much do you win football games? Right. Right. How if many, you build a brand new facility and start sucking on the field, it ain't going to matter. Another thing that we've spent so much time on this show talking about Alabama and Georgia and a couple other programs, LL at Michigan, because they send lots of people to the NFL, but the results aren't really there. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, if you can make a case for yourself that, hey, you're winning games as a college player, and B, this is a very likely jumping spot to go to the NFL. Like right. those are very, and on top of that, Oh, I also like the coaches and the relationships I've built right. with those coaches who will help me achieve my goals. You know, I think there's a constant, there's a constant place to compare Auburn uh, to Clemson for obvious reasons. But I think about Clemson in this way, everyone thinks of Clemson. Oh, they recruit so well now. And they have the facility with the slide and all that stuff. Like is it, you got to keep in mind though, Clemson started winning and then they got all of it, right? They were one of the few, like now did they recruit at a high level? Yes. But were they recruiting at elite top of the world level? You know, were they up there and Alabama, Georgia and Ohio state have kind of pushed ahead of them now again, but like what these smaller star studded classes that Clemson gets, you know, they didn't get them and then start winning. They started winning if I remember correctly, they might have won a national championship before their facility was opened. I think I have the timeline right there. But the recruiting bump that they got came from the fact that they were winning football games at a high level. That's going to be the most important thing. There are places that have had great facilities that have not seen that bump up, right? Um, like, I don't imagine Northwestern's just... like Northwestern built, like, one of the most expensive football facilities in the country... I don't think we're going to see Northwestern just get top 10 classes now because of it. And Oregon is doing well under Cristobal on the recruiting trail. I don't know anything about Oregon's facilities, but I know Phil Knight has something to do with them. And, and so, they were kind of the forerunners to this. Right. This happened like a decade ago. So I'm assuming... That, but they were able to do it because they went to the national title game. Yeah, I'm assuming that Oregon has great facilities, but they're still looking for a national I believe, title. I believe their big, nice facility that they built with all the bells and whistles, was between the championship game appearances. So between 10 and 14, I believe, for Oregon. So again, like it was, and Oregon went through the wilderness not too long ago. Had a really bad season. So, I yes, it's going to have an impact on recruiting that when you bring kids on campus, that, that it's going to, it can't hurt. To right? me, it feels like something that is almost on a checklist. Like you have to have it. Yeah. You know, it's an arms race, which means, in theory... I, like you're saying, don't think it's going to change the way that people perceive Auburn's football program. But if just about all of your big rivals and the top tier programs that you aspire to be like right. have them, you probably need to invest in one also. Mm-hmm. I But there was something that Alan said yesterday, Alan Green said yesterday that I thought I think stands out the most. And this is where it kind of impacts recruiting as well. You don't build a facility for the future recruits or be you don't build a facility to necessarily say this is going to get us more recruits. You build a facility to take care of the guys who come and the guys who do pick you. Um, that's, that's the thing. It's about the, the, the athlete experience. I almost said student athlete. I hate that term so much. Um, because they're athletes they're before they athletes. before they are students, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, they are technically students, yes. Well, I mean, yeah, and, and like <laughs> some of them, some of them, more than people may give them credit for, are excellent students and 
do great stuff academically and will uh, go on and on. all of that to say they work like 40 hours a week on college <laughs> They're sports. They're here. The vast majority of them are here to play sports. Um, but yeah, it's about taking care of the athletes. It's, take, it's about investing in them and saying, you know, instead of building a facility, and they did build the recruiting you know, thing, but like instead of putting this thing to just put it all under recruiting, this is about taking care of the guys who are there and retention. How you know how this is going to be important? I think it's even even I think even more than recruiting impact. I think this is going to be transfer portal impact in terms of you're going to be able to hopefully help keep kids here longer. If you are investing in them and taking care of them and trying to make their experience here as good as it can be, yes, playing time is ultimately going to be the biggest factor. Much like winning is ultimately going to be the biggest factor in how well you recruit, but also it's like. If a kid who might not be necessarily getting a ton of playing time enjoys being here and enjoys being at Auburn and feels like he's getting taken care of and this facility will go into that, you might be able to keep him around longer. You might not have to have mass exoduses that other schools are having to because due to the portal and due to the the one-year waiver, there's going to be constant change happening on these rosters year in and year out. And the best teams... They're going to be the best prepared for this new era of college football are going to be the ones who keep them at home. One of the things that Clemson does really well, again, to come back to Clemson, guys don't leave Clemson. Like quarterbacks do. Yeah, not everybody can play. Quarterbacks do, and like they've had the random like five-star kid that was like, ah, maybe this wasn't for me, and I, and I bolt there's, out. But like, on the whole, they do not lose a lot of so kids. so much about Dabo Sweeney that's corny and easy to laugh at, but like he runs a great football program, not just on the results side, but like it seems as if, Whenever I hear players talking about Dabo, he cares. They feel like there's a real relationship there. Right. And, I, you know, as you're pointing out, you know, yeah, there's been some high-level quarterbacks who've left because one can play at a time. But a lot of the guys do stick around, even though it's hard to scratch that starting lineup or or get Mm -hmm. meaningful snaps on that team. Yeah. I mean, kids stay at Alabama for long time and just know that they want that one shot well part of the reason for that is because at alabama they know i might win a national title and they're going to get the peak experience Mm -hmm. you know in in terms of facilities and and um development yeah it would be a big drop off to go from alabama to just and kids do it but it's just and they might do it a little bit more in the future but you are getting the red carpet treatment at both of those schools right and so i think that's what auburn's trying to get to they want to be able to roll out that red carpet and yes, Auburn, you know, Papo said it yesterday when, or Saturday when he was talking, he said, I picked Auburn because of the people and, and the, and the environment. And I wanted to be a part of it, you know? And he said that to say like the people investing in this, that means a lot. It means a lot to the players, the support. And it's like, yeah, Auburn's got that. They've got those weapons that they can use, but if they can bring the vibe and the environment and the family feel and all that on top of saying, and also when you come here, you're going to get all this and we're going to be able to take care of you. I think that's bigger than necessarily saying, all right, well, um, Auburn is going to get this facility. Therefore, dot, dot, dot. They will now have top five signing (laughs) classes. They will out recruit Georgia. Yeah. Don't think that's happening. You got to win, but maybe this is something that will help you win long term because it'll retain – It'll retain kids and it'll help, you know, keep keep them around and help develop them. So that is it on the football facility. 
want to also touch on uh, the scrimmage. So, obviously with Harson, they had the scrimmage on Friday. Obviously with Harson testing positive, he did not talk to us afterwards. According to the media thing we got, it said that uh, there would be a um, something early this upcoming week. I don't know if that's going to be with Harson or... Um, so, we'll talk to somebody, maybe Harson. I mean, again, if he's doing all this stuff through Zoom, you know, he can talk to us through Zoom. So, I'll be interested to see what Auburn does there. Um, so, the information coming out of the scrimmage, it's not like what we got the first time around where you had Harson kind of run down everything and, and kind of give us the nuts and bolts. There was some information that kind of leaned, you know, kind of came out from it. Um, what I've been able to hear and kind of gather defense kind of kind of won the day yet again i don't think that's surprising to anyone in particular i think there might be some people who start getting a little uneasy about the defense winning big in the second scrimmage if it's like okay well what does that mean for the offense there's two things to keep in mind number one this is first team versus first team you know and second team versus second team and so on and so forth so Auburn's first team defense should be better than their first-team offense. Second thing to keep in mind, like we said earlier, I think it's going to be very helpful, especially for Auburn's offensive line, that they get two games to kind of work out work out the kinks because they have not had a full, they have not had the full complement of their players available. Like, they... I, again, you don't want to get into, like, and this guy wasn't here this day for this reason and this because, you know, we've been told not to do that, but I think anybody who has read... These practice reports and seeing it's like when it's like, well, there's a new first team look pretty much every day. It's like, yeah, there's a reason for that. Um, there is mixing and matching going on, but also there have been there have been players that haven't been around. We know that, and and you know, at, at a lot of different positions. So keep that in mind. I I I think I think Auburn fans can be confident in this defense. I think this defense is going to do a lot. It's this, you know, the wide receivers coming on, the quarterbacks adjusting the new scheme, you know, the, the highs and lows that come there, the inconsistencies, the, the there's going to be a lot of work out, especially with the young group of wide receivers. Can they lean on the running game and the, can they lean on the defense early on? And how much can the offensive line help them out? Because again, especially when Council was out there last season, Auburn was a pretty decent run blocking team last year. Now it helps when you're blocking for a dude in Tank Bisbee who doesn't like to get tackled ever. And Sean Shivers is kind of the same way. But the metrics had Auburn as a pretty decent run blocking unit. Um, can they lean on that? How much can they lean on that early on? And how much can they work out in the passing game and some of the protection issues that they may or may not have still from you know last season when the guys on the other side won play at one of the worst FBS programs in the country last season in terms of their on-field production? And number two, an FCS program that is not a, an FCS program. They're not, this is not, and no disrespect to Alabama State uh, and our friends in Montgomery, but this is not North Dakota State. This is not Sam Houston. This is not James Madison or, uh, you know, any of those teams. This is a this is a team that's usually not in the mix. I played football, uh, not football. I played pickup basketball with a guy for, that used to play for Alabama State um, a while back, and it was insane how good of an athlete he was. And like you're saying, I mean, we're not trying to make light of Alabama State. You're just 
they're on a different wave than Auburn. But me, a normal guy playing mm-hmm. basketball against a college athlete at a school that we would say does not have the same caliber of athletes. Yeah. It's like the, the the gulf between me and that guy was hilarious. And who is the most famous former Alabama State athlete? Two Painter. chains. Yes, sir. Yeah, so, I mean, like, you're going to be able to kind of sort some stuff out early on. Now, how much can you really get better and how much can you really improve and how much can you really shake out and how much is that going to matter by the time you go to Penn State in week three? Shrug. I don't know. Aren't we also wondering if Penn State's going to have an offense, a functional offense? They looked really bad last year. It was startling. Yeah, they were. And now they they kind of <laughs> picked it up towards the end of the season, but and they were bad last we year. We spent a lot of time in football and basketball season saying some teams may just have weird years. Yeah. For any number of reasons. So maybe right. that's Penn State and they just jump right back on it. But it, I will be curious to see if either of those I, two teams I, can move the ball. I do think I do think it was funny. I do think it was funny this past this or this recently where it's like I've seen some Auburn fans say this as well when they're like, "Okay, well, people are saying Auburn may struggle to get to be bowl eligible this season. That's becoming a little bit more popular with some with some national pundits." But they're like, "Well, Auburn wasn't a bad team last year." This is a team that won more games than they lost in the SEC. They return a decent bit uh, on defense. They have a returning quarterback. Again, your opinions may vary on that quarterback, but why are they not getting the benefit of the doubt that a team like Penn State, who was bad last season until the very end, and then it's like, well, yeah, for sure, boom, right here, they're definitely. I guess uh, you could use the caveat that Auburn sure did get lucky in that Arkansas and Ole Miss game yeah. with some calls, but at the end of the day, they did Maybe the Ole Miss game? Didn't Sean touch a kickoff? Was that the Ole Miss game? I yeah. There was so. something, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure Auburn benefited pretty clearly but from But as as Auburn fans may be saying right now, that Tank Bigsby kicker turn touchdown against Ole Miss should have never been called back. Sure. But yes, yes, but I do. Yeah. All, all How I, did I forget the I, f- I forgot the the Shivers the, the Shivers finger play? Like you forgot about Nick Saban and Cubs. But the, the results still are six and four in an SEC only schedule, which right. would lead me to believe that with a couple of padded games like we're talking about here, sprinkled throughout the season. Yeah. Like what you're already a, an automatic. You're almost at six wins at that point. Hmm. I mean, yeah, you're, so, you're at three. That's not quite – you're not almost – I guess six, there's but. a lot of people that don't have faith in Brian Harson to make the adjustment right now. They know that there's a lot that has changed, especially on the offensive side. And and that transition is not going to be easy. You know, Even though we can sit there, and, and I definitely have written about this throughout the offseason where players and coaches and, and people who see it can say, whoa, well, this offense is going to be better for Auburn long term because you know the quarterbacks will have uh, – more freedom to uh they'll have more routes there'll be better concepts there'll be better answers they will be more prepared yada 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 even though that's true it's still an adjustment you have to make and and it's not you know switching from the Gus Malzahn offense to a pro style offense is a pretty big one and so I think that's that's scaring some people off and the fact that Harson has not been here before scares some people off um so it, it'll. I, I don't know what to expect from Ole, uh, Ole Miss. I don't know what to expect from Penn State this year. I really don't. They've recruited well, been competitive in some of the years Franklin's been the coach, but last year was For most of the season, surprising. they looked like they had no <laughs> clue what was happening. 
Like they were they were pretty lifeless and and lost some games in some weird fashion. So, you know, that's Auburn will be able to kind of if if their problem in week if their problems in week one or in week two as much of a problem that you can have against teams that are going to be you know, thirty five and forty point underdogs. As much as you can have those problems, the big thing for Auburn is like are those problems more of things that you can get better with time and adjust to and and just say okay well this is a new way of doing things here's here's how we have to clean it up you know the most improvement you make for between week one and week two you know all that good stuff working on yourself is it are those problems that they can fix themselves or are these bigger picture problems about the roster about the fit and it just might not quite work like you want this year um but I think the main thing here is very important, Painter, is that Auburn is the least predictable team in college football. And so I think anybody who has a clear-eyed opinion on, well, this is exactly what Auburn's going to do this year is pretty foolish in my opinion. And, like, look, I think Auburn, you know, the, I lean on stuff like SP+, and I look at the schedule, and I think, yeah, 7-5, 8-4, that's probably where I could expect a first-year team to be like that this year. Because I – I kind of, I, I kind of tend to lean a little bit more positive, than maybe some people nationally, because I look at the roster and think, well, this is still a top fifteen roster, top twenty roster at the very least, in college football. Like, yes, everybody is in love with Ole Miss this year, and everybody thinks Arkansas is going to take a step forward, and they think State is nowhere near going to be as bad as they were last season in some areas. It's like, but I'll take any of, I'll take Auburn's, I'll take Auburn's roster any day, even over. Lane Kiffin. None of those teams have an Owen Papo. None of those teams. The argument that Lane Kiffin is, if he's not one of the best, that he's the best college football play caller in the sport right now. Like I, I don't, I don't know how you would do that, but given what he has to work with, which is a couple of nice pieces, and then I think just some good athletes. Yeah, like they're SEC caliber athletes, but they're but are they going to play defense? Yeah, um, probably not. (laughs) Probably not. And if you can be a team that kind of can prevent them from getting into shootout mode. And, like, Auburn's defense should be pretty good this season. I just – like, they don't have an Owen Papo. They don't have a Tank Bigsby. You know, I I tank Tank. I take that running game over any of those teams I just mentioned. Now, Matt Corral, good quarterback? Absolutely. A lot of people really like him and like what what he brings to the table. I just – you know – I think talent can ultimately win out, and I think when you look at Brian Harson and this staff's, you know, combined track record, I think this is going to be a team that is going to be competitive with, with in pretty much every game they play. Now, are they win all of them? I don't know, but like, you know, just the way that this team is set up and built to how they want to play and how they want to run, I don't see this team just getting absolutely walloped. Georgia and Alabama might be different you know, different cases because they're who they are at this point. But like, I don't know, like uh, there's just something, there's just something about this team that I think if everybody can stay healthy and be out there, there's a lot to like about, about this combination of talent and the track record and the way Brian Harson and the staff has coached in the past, what he's done at Boise state. If you bring it in, bring in talent there. And again, this is not, we've said, how many times have we said that this, this, this year, the Brian Harson hire is not for 2021. It is for the big picture. It is for the long yeah, haul. Speaking of Lane Kiffin, I guess if you wanted to go that route, like maybe Kiffin could have taken this team and made it. You could buy into like, oh, well, maybe it's an eight or nine win season in year one under Kiffin or something along those lines. But Because like, the thing would be like, well, Kiffin's offense has proved to work in the SEC. He'll have better talent. And, oh, look, he's got a defense. 
yeah, that would have been an easy one to pick. And so Rarius is like, can he actually do it in the SEC? I don't know, man. Maybe uh, there's this kind of like thing pushing around where people keep asking. It's like, do you think he's going to be able to handle in the SEC? Like they're asking players to do that, and it's like, yeah, he knows what he signed up for. I think that's, I think that's pretty true. I think that's pretty true. True at this point. Again, we can say a lot of this when he hadn't coached a single game yet, but I will never know. But it will be curious. Like when the first loss does happen, and he's just like, whoa, <laughs> these people are insane. Yeah, and I don't know really what the fan temperature is at Boise State. I do know the coverage is a lot smaller than they get here, obviously, but... I presume that they have become accustomed to a certain level of winning, so there is pressure built in in that way. Mm-hmm. But their biggest rivals are also not competing for championships every season. All right, Painter. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll, uh, we'll do some plugs, and we'll talk about some positive news for Auburn in the fact that, oh yeah, last Thursday, before all the stuff happened over the weekend, they got two new football players and, well, one basketball player thrown in there as well. So we'll talk about Amari Kelly and Trey Donaldson after this. Painter. We say it every week, those of you who listen to this podcast and who are in the inner circle, especially those of you in the inner circle, I should say, um, do a lot to help us out. Uh, subscribing to the Auburn Observer is the best way you, you can support our uh, support our endeavor here. $6 a month, $60 a year. Not only do you get uh, all the stories and all the newsletters that are right here at the Auburn Observer sent to your email inbox most mornings, around 6 a.m. Central Time. You also get a bonus podcast once a week. So if you're listening to this for free and you want more of it, you can sign up auburnobserver.com. But, Painter, we know not everybody's in a position right now. Pay, uh, the, the, the paid option may not be, it may not be the, the, the option for you at this moment, and that's okay because you can still help out our show in a number of ways. Um, run it down for us. Rate, review, subscribe. Many of you are doing this more and more. In fact, we love that very much about you. Please rate, review, mash the subscribe button. Leave a little review. Do you, baby? Easiest way to do that, if you go to Apple Podcast, and this is the only way we know how you can review. Um, I, if there are other ways to do it on your own app, let us know. Uh, but I don't. We've been operating off the belief that Apple is the way to go. Apple for the is reviews. the gold standard of podcast in terms of how they kind of lead, and uh, the rest of the apps and the industry kind of follows in behind them. So, Apple Podcasts, click on that button, type in the search uh, search uh, button. It's the easiest way to get to it. You could probably do it another way, but this, we found the easiest way to get to it. Search in the bottom right corner. Type in Auburn Observer. You're going to click on the Auburn Observer. You're going to scroll down to Ratings and Reviews. You're going to tap the little Write a Review button. Five stars, something written, something nice means a lot to us, as we do because we're vain people. We have been reading these five-star reviews on air. Uh, we had a good crop of them in our premium episode uh, this, this past week, so you want to check those out, including... By far the best one of these I think we've we've had, at least the most dramatic one. Uh, I would be curious to know how quickly they were able to fire that off. Like, did they just off the dome rip that on the keyboard, or did they spend a lot of time working on that review? It was well done. Please rate, review, subscribe. we got a few more to read right here, Painter. Here's three. You ready? Yes. 
WG1294 says, five stars. Awesome, entertaining podcast for all things Auburn. Love that. I think that's what we want to be. We want to be awesome in everything we do, and we also want to be entertaining. Succinct. Good work. This podcast might not have been the most entertaining one, especially up front, but... Here we are. Here we are. Stuby864 says, best AUU pod. These guys are the best. My two favorites from TLB, all grown up and, quote, doing journalism. I love that. (laughs) Thanks, gents. Keep it up. P.S. Does Painter still have his obsession with the Colorado mascot? Our Our boy, the Vibes. Yeah, yeah. Toasty. I still have my hat that Ferg got me. Yeah, it's still big, still big on Toasty. We're sweet Toasty. Very much, very much painters. A flaming painters marshmallow. Yeah, painter is a giant marshmallow with sunglasses. <laughs> Never forget that. Uh, and this is from Peyton A. WDE. Uh, exceptional Auburn podcast. I've been listening to Justin and Painter since the lunch break. Justin is amazing and puts out detail-oriented work. Thank you. Painter has the voice of an angel. Thank you. Keep up Couple the great TLB folks content. A lot of TLB holdovers. I love it. Um, Appreciate you guys. And like I said, if you have $60 a month or $60 a year that you're willing to spend to get the bonus podcast once a week and all the written content at The Observer, sign up. Uh, if you aren't if you aren't for that I right now. I don't want to. Stop telling me to do it, boys. Well, we're going to keep telling you. Rate, review, subscribe is another easy way to help us out. More shout-outs. You want to give some more shout-outs? Why not? Shout-out to our guys, The War Report on YouTube, uh, doing some stuff with Observer Stats in their For the Record series uh, for their insiders. Check that out. Really good content, really good uh, conversation uh, with those guys as we get closer to the season. I also want to shout out our friends at the Opelika Auburn News. High school football season underway. Uh, I thought I was just covering one game this week. I ended up covering two. Uh, Went went to see our boys, dear old Auburn High. Shout out to the Baby Tigers. Big big week one win over over Park Cross and they got Opelika this week. Panner, hope I know you're fired up and ready to go for that yeah, one. I know Opelika stole one from us two years ago. I think Auburn won it last year, if memory serves me correctly. Opelika losing a heartbreaker uh, in week one. They're going to be out for revenge. Mm. Be interesting. This also, in Opelika, isn't it? Yes. Also, uh, it's a long drive. Also, uh, Thursday night went to see uh, Chambers Academy uh, take on Lee Scott, and the highlight of that game for me is that. Right before third down play, they played the opening riff from uh, Guerrilla Radio by Rage Against the Machine, I which I did not expect to hear there, but I appreciate Whoever Chambers made that, pulling that uh, off. that logistics choice, well done. Well done. Well done. All right. So Auburn picked up two recruits uh, this past Thursday. More Big- evidence that you won't remember anything in two weeks, because that happened like midweek, and for the most part, I think you all forgot about the news that. cycle. It's, yeah. Good lord. It was a good day. I it mean, was a really was good, a good day. day. We need to Auburn. talk about it because it's happened since we've since we've uh, had our last podcast. Uh, let's do Amari Kelly first because he is the football guy here, and then we'll talk about Trey Donaldson. Amari Kelly, I've said it before. If Auburn goes and gets a kid from Hewitt Trustful going to be pretty good you know i think you can i think you can kind of set your watch to that of course no monogamy being the big pickup from from hewitt trussell first rounder doing some big things i see with the uh with the miami dolphins here in the preseason things are gonna get more playing time this year also got a shout out noah made the switch to a single digit number i like the single digit number on the nfl players i know some people in preseason are like i hate this this sucks um really yeah, it's just I think when you get it ingrained in your head that if you see a single digit number, you're like, oh, that's a kicker, that's a quarterback, maybe, etc. I don't know. I like it though. So shout out to Noah and those and 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 those guys down in Miami 
Javaris Davis also had a great preseason game I saw the other day down there as well. You got Noah, uh, Javarius Johnson, a.k.a. the Short King, Panthers' favorite player. Still holding out. Still holding out. Looks breakout like, star of spring camp, baby. And it looks like he could be in line to be a starter this year. I mean, he's he's repping a lot with the ones, big-time slot guy. But you know what you're getting when you get a, a guy from Hewitt Trussell. You know what you're going to get. You're going to get speed. You're going to get athleticism. You're going to get guys that are built to play. Ford tough. Yes, built built for tough, absolutely. You're going to get guys who are built to play in offenses where they spread the ball around. They create a lot of big plays. They're just a lot of fun to watch. They get that on Omari Kelly. Now, whereas Javarius Johnson and Noah Ibnagini are just were just blurs in high school with their speed. Omar Kelly is a little bit of a different different guy. He has really good track times. But when you watch him on film, he's not necessarily like, oh, this dude is like, put turn. he's not Malcolm Johnson. He's not like, you know, turn the jets on kind of guy. To me, we'll see what he looks like because he, he also is a pretty good defensive back at Hewitt Trussell. To me, if you want a kind of an archetype type of player, I could see a little Seth Williams in him because here's a dude that's very athletic can make good plays after the catch but he's tall 6'2 lanky he's got pretty good uh catch radius i've been impressed the most when i've watched highlights of him and watched watch this film where he just goes up and gets the football if he's doing that as a more of a wiry uh high school senior man put him in this strength and conditioning program where they're turning guys into like real built folks i think there's a lot of potential for him on the outside as a possession type of receiver. And Auburn's got quite a few of those, and like Xavion Capers, Elijah Canyon could definitely do that, J.J. Evans in this offense. But like if you're wanting the next wave, they've got speed in Hal Presley. They're wanting to get Darius Clemens here, the big big name recruit out of Oregon. This is a guy who has a, has a real good shot to be a game changer on the outside for Auburn in the future. And you know he's coming from a great program. I'm in. Sign me up, baby. I, I think there's just a lot to, to like about a fi- a guy who's willing to be physical, even if he's not the biggest dude around. Playing the wide receiver position, good hands, attacks it in the air. That's the type of that like split end type that you can really build build a build a good passing attack around down the road. So Amari Kelly, four star receiver, another blue chip, um, and then there's Trey Donaldson. Trey Donaldson, one of the most fascinating recruits I think Auburn's had in quite some time. If you're wondering to yourself, how does someone play football and basketball at the same time? Very I'm difficult. curious, too. Yeah, yeah. So, Trey Donaldson committed to play for Auburn. Both Brian Harson and Bruce Pearl celebrating his commitment on Thursday. There's a good reason for that. He was offered by both teams and got the opportunity to play both sports. According to the fine folks who cover recruiting here at Auburn, they say that he's going to try to play both. It's been very hard. Um, I put out a tweet last week. I was like, man, I don't know if there's a guy in the modern era that's really done it. Some people kind of came out and said, hey, this guy did it. This guy, this good. You know, late 90s, early 2000s. You know, maybe some guys from way back in the day. I know Philip Marshall uh, threw out a, a name of a guy that, that played on both. It seemed to be like one year, you know, kind of, they moonlighted, oh, well, we need big guys here at the last moment. Let's go get, you know, let's go help out and get the guys from the football team. To be a blue chip recruit that's getting recruited to play in both sports, that's pretty rare. And I know Auburn has not done that. I don't think ever. Yeah, I mean, I think most of these athletes probably play more than one sport for their high schools and mm-hmm. tend to be 
if they're not the best athlete out there, certainly one of the best yeah. athletes out there. But I have to imagine, and I think it's going to be toward basketball that he skews, yes. at some point relatively early, certainly I would think by the midway point of his career, since I'm projecting, probably pick basketball. Yeah, he is probably going to lean to basketball. I think it was something that when he committed, his his personal commitment graphic was basketball. He talked about how he wants to play both. He wants to, you know, but people lean towards basketball, and for good reason. He was Bruce Pearl's number one point guard target in this 2022 class. He's a good second. He's a good player in the secondary in football. Very physical uh, uh, safety, but and a pretty good quarterback. On top of that, if Bruce Pearl is saying you're my guy at point guard. That's probably where you're going to end up long term. Well, Not to take anything away from his football ability, which is he's a very good football player. I'm talking a bit out of turn here because I don't know at all the the thing with Zion Cruz is about, and it seems like he was leaning toward Auburn at one point anyway. But yeah, I, yeah, Jeffrey Lee at on three Auburn live uh, was was on top of that. We talked, I think we talked about it a little bit in the uh, in in the premium uh, episode. Yeah, that's an interesting situation. It seems that from my read on it, uh, and again, I don't know nearly as all the inside information as, as those guys who cover recruiting do here at Auburn. Uh, but it seemed to be one of those cases where it's like they like him, but there might be some guys ahead of him on their on their board right now, and there's only so many scholarships you get in basketball. It's not like in football where you're like, well, you're a really good football player. We'll take you, and we'll just make the math work out later. Because usually, even in the really good recruiting classes, you're going to take some three-star guys. You're going to take some guys down the road. Basketball, it's like, well, we might only have this, this many, and – the recruiting, I think I said it on thir- on Wednesday or Thursday last week. I was like, the recruiting rankings aren't indicative of a team's own rankings. I think that's very important to, to, to consider. And I think you're going with that where I am going, which is that it's telling to me that they're at least for now hitting the brakes on a five-star, something that a few years ago would have been like, hey, you have a chance at a five-star. You should probably just try to bag him. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Donaldson, like they clearly love his game. Yes, he's a four-star. I, I think it's telling that they are like, we love Donaldson's game. Yeah. Bruce, and, and at this point, if you're getting a four-star player and Bruce Pearl says, I really like his game, I'm just going to rely on and Bruce's think, scouting. And I think it's fit. I mean, Cruz is a, Cruz is a two-guard, You know, he's probably a two or a three at Auburn. Donaldson's a point guard. And... Trey Donaldson's a point guard who you watch him play, and it's like, okay, well, I see why Bruce Pearl fell in love with this guy. He go, he plays extremely fast. He attacks the basket. He can shoot. He can, he can kind of pull up jumper, but he's that speedy, attack-minded point guard where we've seen Jared Harper, where we've seen Sharif Cooper, where I think we're going to see Wendell Green Jr. play that role this year for Auburn uh, pretty well. You can see fit-wise why he's, why he's getting that. So get your point guard if he's willing to commit. Go get your point guard now. And yeah, I think their board may look differently at the two or the three, and or maybe they're like, okay, well, there's other guys on this board that we want to make sure that we have room for first. And it's odd, and it's something that Auburn's not necessarily in the territory for. And again, like we've said, we don't know all the details of it uh, of, of the cruise thing. So that's why we tell you, if you subscribe to the Auburn Observer, we appreciate it. We hope we're giving you stuff that you might not get anywhere else. But you can get really good coverage and really good content from people especially in the recruiting world, elsewhere in the reporting. where you, If you go to 247, you go to Rivals, you go to the guys uh, now at On3, you know, readale.com, read the Montgomery Advertiser, read our friends at the OE News, because everybody brings something different to the table. So, yeah, we don't know the whole thing with the recruiting in this case, but 
it is interesting. And yeah, they, they pull the trigger on Donaldson because he's a guy that you can build. Like if you need a point guard and you know, you're going to need a point guard, it's like getting a quarterback. It's like, well, I mean, especially Auburn found out last year. Oh, if we're not fully ready at quarterback, uh, quarterback slash point guard, if we're not fully ready at point guard, it can be really, really tough for you. So get your quarterback in this class and then maybe some bigger name guys, bigger name recruits will be, will be coming around. You know, I think them holding off and Zion, Zion Cruz pushing back his commitment, I don't think that's a sign that Auburn's definitely not going to get him. Um, but it's just kind of like a wait-and-see kind of thing. I think that's 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 a, a way to put it. Donaldson's going to go, like I said, attack-minded point guard. I think he's so explosive with his first step and his ability to get past people that, you know, one of the things I'm looking to see, you know, in his development is can he be that shooter like you know, Jared Harper – and Sharif Cooper, to an extent, is like, those guys can get to the basket on you, but if you can stretch them out and shoot, if you have a consistent enough mid-range and three-point shot, teams are going to have to kind of respect you a little bit more. It just makes you an even more dangerous player. The thing with Donaldson I think is really cool, especially when you think about it. It's like, okay, he's a high-level point guard and he's a high-level safety in football. You see some of both aspects of his game kind of bleed into the other one, right? You watch him play point guard. It's like, ooh, that's a physical, that's a physical point guard. That's a guy that's willing to bang. That's a guy that's explosive, great first step, good range, gets downhill. And it's like, yeah, that's yeah, he's a really good safety. That's why you do that. Um, apparently, you know, he's also a really good quarterback. Quarterback point guard makes a lot of sense. You watch him play football. You say, oh, that dude get covers ground really quickly. He's got really good vision. You know, he knows where to be. He he sees things before they before they happen. That's the point guard out in him. So um, play multiple it, sports, kids. Absolutely, absolutely. We can't all be four stars at both, but we can all try to play them and be okay. We both them. played just one sport, didn't we? Yeah, for our schools, yeah. For I mean, I played by, golf. By I played golf my senior to, year. By the time I got to high school, only one team was willing to take me. It was not like a. I didn't have the choice. Let's put it that way. Uh, could if I would, or would if I could. I would have played. I would have played golf more than one year if we had a golf team. Or like they brought the golf team back my senior year, and I was like, ah, cool, let's do that. And it was just a cool thing to do right before I graduated high school. But some of us, you know, we're the specialist. It, only if you're like elite athletes like us uh, can you only play one sport. I played rec basketball. Yeah. How about that? Parrish's got a, a pretty that? good basketball player, as we have we as we've well established on this podcast. Relative to who it is that you and I enjoy playing with, recruiting, by the way, for for football, shot right up. Auburn now is at number thirty eight, or they were when they had the commitments. They only have eleven commitments. Only one team ahead of them has fewer, which is USC, that I think's already got two five stars in their class. And Auburn's average recruit ranking is tw- better than twenty of the twenty three teams that the next 23 teams ahead of them just get more guys. If you just get more guys and get a bigger class, this is, you know, they could theoretically, if you look at, you play the numbers game here, they could get into top 20 territory, just add more guys. They'll be in a, they'll be in a better spot. They've jumped. I think it's like 50, like 40 something, 50 something spots in the last month and a half, two months. Um, they're ahead of Ole Miss now. Which I think it's still weird that Ole Miss has not been able to like rack up to and capitalize off of. I think the perception was that they were ahead of where people expected mm-hmm. last year, and just the general excitement that Lane Kiffin has brought to Oxford. I'm also surprised that there has not been an immediate bump for them. They're not going to recruit at a top fifteen level. But no, for them to be behind Vanderbilt, 
Yeah, South Carolina. I'm like, oh, that's interesting, isn't it? Okay. I think they're in the top half of the SEC in terms of average recruiting ranking. That includes the kicker, Alex McPherson, who kind of brings down that average ranking some just because they don't respect kickers in these in these rankings, which I get it, but still. So, like, yeah, just with more volume, this could be top 20 class in the in the country, top half class in the SEC, not where you want to be ultimately long-term regularly but if they work stay in the blue chip ratio stay in the top half of talent develop execute outwork get those wins with the guys you get and what happens from there the more winning you do the better recruiting you do it's just in the top 20 at the end of year one perfectly fine like by year two and three i would like to see auburn back to where it was Mm -hmm. in that mouth flirting with top 10 classes being in the top 15 but if if you tell me that they finish at 18 19 20 this year given a lot of the circumstances we've talked about all right i can rock darius clemens you know auburn's got with amari kelly and jay fair now they've got a really fast receiver out of texas they've got a I think a great physical you know, physical upside, really pretty high for an in-state guy like Amari Kelly. Darius Clemens is a top 20 receiver in the country. He's top 50, 150 in recruits. Uh, he would be a really big pickup for Auburn if they could, they could snag him. He'd also be a very rare one because he's from Oregon. Auburn has never had a football letterman from Oregon. There's momentum. And again, I think it's kind of wait and see. More recruits see, hey, if Auburn gets out to a good start this year and it's like, okay, this is what Brian Harson football is all about. This is what Auburn's going to look like. More people may buy in. More recruits might start looking. Again, I don't think you're going to be able to make miracles happen in the 2022 class because recruiting is a multi-year process and you were behind the eight ball for a while. But making the best out of some of these guys, finding these you know borderline dudes or that have got potential to move up in the rankings that fit with what you want to do makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. So I think it was kind of frustrating for where Auburn is in recruiting. And like I said, Auburn fans, especially when you have Alabama and Georgia being your two biggest rivals, you're never going to be happy with a top even eight a, finish, even a top twenty class or a top yeah. seven, just top seven finish in the I don't SEC. Know why I said top eight, but I think Malzahn's best class was number eight a few years ago. Yeah. and it's like, I mean, even then, you're still there's a big gulf behind <laughs> being eight. The and blue then chip, Alabama and Georgia, in the right. top Three, and we'll see long term how much. Like last season, Alabama was just clearly better than everybody else and just ran past everyone. Maybe that was a COVID year. Maybe that was, but yeah. You know, but we know that recruiting the top three have started to separate themselves in the in the ratings a little bit more. But we saw with Clemson, and we've seen in the past, Oregon. I think is kind of the the one up twenty ten Auburn, definitely twenty thirteen Auburn to to that extent as well. Um, we have seen teams. I wonder if it'll hold up in the new era. I wonder if it'll hold up in this new world of NIL and and uh, the transfer portal and maybe at some point expanded playoff if everybody's not getting their feelings hurt over Texas and Oklahoma leaving the Big 12. If you're in the blue chip ratio and you have a transcendent elite type of quarterback, it's enough to win a national championship. Clemson has proven that. Uh, other teams have been able to get on the doorstep of that in the past. Auburn like Clemson has, has really done a nice job of, of one, the quarterback, the most important position, and a lot of years their defensive lines, their ability yeah. to affect the other team's yep. quarterback. And so it's like, well, you know, everyone Wide receivers. sprinkled out. Yeah. That's the other one. Yeah. And that was even before they were winning huge. That was a Ben Walk thing. He believed it was like wide receiver is going to be like the one 
that really that were like gets more focused. Like here. if I wanted to have an elite, like outside of I don't know if it was the question was like outside of quarterback, where do you want to be elite in college football? I've always had said defensive line. But I think the it's way, a, the the, the receiver might end up being the being the one move. I mean, look at LSU two years ago. Look at Alabama last year. The, the two classes of receiver. I mean, I guess they, I think they all came in in the same class, but I could be mistaken about that. But the four receivers, two in each of the. And at last two NFL drafts that they put in the first round, it's just laughably funny. Right. And I think now with just the way football and the rules have changed and how defenses have adjusted, maybe it's not quite as much uh, defensive line. I still think if you can, if you can reel it, if you can routinely pressure the quarterback with less guys than they're blocking with, then you have an advantage. But you know that might be outside linebacker as well. That might be you know edge if you want to go three four like Auburn's doing. But yeah, wide receiver and and again Auburn's wide receiver group. They're not pulling in five stars at the position, but that was one position group that I thought under Malzahn was continuing to pull in quality uh, and blue chip guys. And Clemens could be the next one in that, and we'll see how that builds moving forward. And if the passing game is as improved and as diverse and as upgraded as people say it could be, that should help bring in more more folks to more folks to Auburn. So there we go. I think that's where we leave it, right? Proud of you guys. Keep it up. Appreciate everybody for listening. Appreciate everybody for tuning in and uh, and, and and checking out what we've got going on here at The Observer. Remember, it's $6 a month or $60 a year, AuburnObserver.com. You get a bonus podcast in the midweek and all of the writing that we do sent directly to your email inbox. If you're not in a position to join up right now financially we still appreciate your listens we still appreciate your rating and your reviewing and your subscribing it does mean a lot to us we are closing in on the season the next time we talk on the free episode it'll be game week we'll have another one coming up this week painter and we're all excited it's a big time CM Punk's back in wrestling. That's that's my <laughs> that was the biggest takeaway I had this weekend. I, I can talk about this whole, for like twenty more minutes. Man, wrestling really has made a comeback. My timeline was littered with wrestling news. I guess John Cena. Yeah, did Cena. Something. Cena was Cena came back and had his big. Uh, he main evented SummerSlam last night. I'm not a big WWE guy, but I watched it. It was entertaining. It did feel like for a little for like an hour last night. Like every fourth tweet on my timeline was wrestling. I was like, it feels like we're back in the late '90s, baby. Were you on Twitter uh, Friday night uh, when Punk debuted? I saw people tweeting about it. Bruh. I know I'm a mark for this, and Sam Punk's one of probably my all-time favorite wrestler. See, there I mean, Orange. Orange, well, I, I can I can never really go against Orange. Uh, but, uh, I mean, it was – yeah, there you go. You got it. Uh, it was It was pretty cool, and it's one of those few things that, like, yes – it's fake and it's silly and it's ridiculous. It's partially fun because it's silly. Exactly. But that, I mean, seeing some dude come back for after seven years and being one of the most popular in the, you know, in the, in the world and making his return in his hometown in a cell, they sell, they sold out an NBA arena in like 10 minutes to get, because everybody was ready for it. And that pop, Oh my God. I was, I know, I know, a lot of stuff, a lot of news happening. We talked about a lot of it, but here the most important thing that happened this past few days, of course, was that CM Punk is back, ladies and gentlemen. But thank you for listening. We'll talk to you. To, we'll talk to you, those of you in the inner circle, later this week. The rest of you next week. 
Painter, final thoughts. I am your favorite fail son. And during the few moments that we have left, we want to talk right down to earth in a language that everybody here can easily understand. (laughs) 